Welcome to the Dell Spirit and Truth Podcast, where we wrestle with questions from the pew. This is Casey. And this is Jenny. Today, we'd like to delve into our story and talk about how our journey began. Casey, where did we start? We started attending and serving faithfully in a Baptist church, in a local Baptist church in our town. Um, and then just through a lot of circumstances, a lot of growth, after growing in knowledge and understanding of the Word, really felt led to start a church. But that was really um, daunting to look at. I would say that what I really appreciated about my background growing up in a conservative church that was really Bible-believing was that it put that foundation of God's Word being true. And that was my source of truth. That was like the end all of be all of knowledge and truth. And it really gave us a good foundation for believing God's word and not taking it figuratively or, you know, making it my own truth, but it really laid that foundation. And so I'm thankful that we started there, you know, and of course the, the times that we were in really intensive Bible studies and studying the word of God, you know, Casey, when I first met you, I was really impressed that you knew so much of the Word of God. So where where did you learn the Word of God? So yeah, I attended a pretty fundamental Baptist church for a very long time, but what was beautiful about that was that the Word of God was very much pushed as inerrant, perfect, the only rule and plumb line of life. And so for me, I grew up with the teaching of the Word very clearly that this is God's Word. And so for me, it was very encouraging um, going out into the world to know like I had a basis of truth that I could really discern everything when I knew morally what was wrong. Um, I, I would always go back to like, well, the Word of God says this. I know this to be true. What was interesting is when I first met you, we weren't necessarily walking out the Word oh, of not God. not in the least. <laughs> and so to me, it was a little confusing because it was like, my walk is way better than his, but he <laughs> yeah. knows a lot more of the word than I do. And I was kind of confused by that. I felt like I should know more. <laughs> yeah. Probably really frustrating. Yeah. And so so what was the disconnect for you? Why did you know so much of God's word, but you weren't living it? So we had a really good, really good Bible teaching um, where I grew up. And so I knew the word of God very well. It was a lot of expository teaching. So that's um, they would take big chunks of scripture and they would go through those chunks um, verse by verse. And so I, I got a really good context to the Word of God, and I got a really good upbringing in constantly hearing the Word. But it really just got down to a point of legalism to where it was just, I know a lot of things, and so I know what's right, and I know that I'm supposed to do these things, but I was never empowered, discipled, or strengthened to actually fulfill those things. What about in relationship with God? Like, where was the conviction? Uh, conviction? I had conviction pretty much most of the time, um, until probably when I got older, when we met, <laughs> there wasn't a lot of conviction necessarily, <laughs> um, because there was just such a desire of self and self-gratification, um, just pursuing the things that the world afforded. I mean, going to college and chasing after all the things that I was told would bring me happiness. Um, it really left me with a seared conscience to a degree to where things didn't really affect me. 
lot of times what I see is, is people believe a lie that I'll be fulfilled in X, Y, Z, you know? And so when you're coming from a place of religion, right. And legalism, then you know, the rules, but there's not that personal connection. And so when you're not used to living in the peace of the Lord and in his presence, um, then it is just choosing to follow rules or to not follow rules. Yeah, that was never understood. You know, mine was kind of similar. I always had very strong convictions, even when we first met. <laughs> still do. It still do. Very strong yes, um, goods and bads and yeses and nos. And I um, actually was very repentant whenever I would sin. And I would very, very sad. And there's even a crisis I went through where I felt like I must not even be saved because, you know, love is a choice. And, and choice means that that you're choosing to love the other person and I'm not, I'm sinning. So I'm not choosing to love God. Do I even love God? Do I even know God? Mm. You know? And so for me, because it was such an emphasis of following the rules that when I wasn't following the rules, I, I felt like I wasn't saved. That's a, that's an interesting paradigm really for both of us because I kind of went the opposite direction. <laughs> I was like, this is a bunch of rules. I don't like rules. <laughs> so. And when, you, you didn't doubt your salvation at all. I've never, no, never doubted my, the the sanctity of what god did in me when i was young i knew i knew i knew the lord i never rejected the lord in my actions absolutely there was just a pursuit of self but i I think it's just really funny because it's still the paradigm we have today as a married couple (laughs) like you're very much rule follower and i'm over here like "Eh, that's a guideline guideline. (laughs) guidelines are very gray area like we can look at that and i'm not talking about blatantly sinful things obviously but i'm just talking about like hey i can push the envelope i'm a risk taker there are things that i'm happy to do that would terrify my wife and has multiple times in our life hey i've learned to be much more of a risk taker no absolutely so before we met you know i loved jesus so much and i deeply um wanted to please him i wanted to follow all the rules that's i think why at heart i was a rule follower so on my journey with the Lord, I, you know, as life goes and you grow, you just experience different traumas and different heart, heartbreaks and things that happen. And I always went to the Lord first and I always pursued him. And um, and I just wasn't finding relief for the pain inside of me. And so that's really what led me to the season of um, kind of sowing my wild oats and and going and, and running from the Lord for a season. I still had that strong conviction to come back to him. Um, but at the same time, I was stuck in this sin cycle, and it was it was very frustrating for me. And so, um, in the same way that you were looking at the world to to give you fulfillment for um, the happiness and the desires, I was looking because I felt like I had sought the Lord for this pain in my heart, but hadn't received any comfort. Mm-hmm. And so, one of my good friends, um, you know, pushed me towards drinking. And you know, being a good girl, I was like, I would never drink. And then when I finally tried it, I was like, This is great. I can't feel anything. You know, and so it it just put me into this bad sin cycle, which unfortunately is when we met. And um, and can you talk about where you were kind of in your cycle? So, yeah, I'd say the big issue just leading up to me going off to college and really doing whatever I I wanted and could well afford to do, um, really stemmed from the fact that I had no men in my life to disciple me. Like I had no men that could train me up in in what it is to be a godly man. I didn't have an example in that regard. So I really just had every example of what not to do and or what the world would say 
is something that is fun or exciting. And so definitely wanted to pursue those things. I knew what was right. I knew what was wrong. But one thing that is probably a little different for most women that they might not understand is that a lot of guys, it's not necessarily just a a complete disregard of the rules. It's more of an apathy towards rules. It's more of a like a slow neglect of what you know to be right and wrong. And then you just simply go, man, but this is more fun right now. And this is making me feel good right now. And so it's a pushing away of that thought, um, which men can compartmentalize pretty well. And so, right. And so whenever we met during the season where we're both in this um, interesting place with the Lord, we had both been raised in the church and then we're both kind of, running from God, um, you know, we were kind of on the same path in, in certain ways. And, and so then as we, um, continued to date, I really felt the conviction to, to return to the Lord, to return to the Lord. And, you know, I always would tell the Lord, like Jesus says he came to heal the brokenhearted. And I believe, I still believed his word to be completely true, but I just, my reality wasn't lining up with what the word said. And so um, in that journey, I, I went to Casey and I was like, you know what, I'm I'm going back to the Lord, like I'm going to go. And I was actually signed up to to go to a African missionary training, like live in experience yeah. program. And um, and so two year thing. Yeah. And so then I came to you to tell you about that. Yeah. And I was like, um, well, and I would never suggest this for any parent or child. It was basically up to us to say, well, we either get married or we break up. <laughs> that was the option that we kind of gave each other, which honestly, oddly enough, was a catalyst for me to go, well, I don't want to continue down the path I'm going down of drunkenness and debauchery. Um, and I really love this woman. And so what do I want to do with my life? Do I want it to end up like... So many other people I've seen where there's nothing to show for your life. Or do I want to actually build something? And so I had to have a come to Jesus moment. I had many of those preceding that conversation we had. We decided to go all in for the Lord in a very odd way. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And so here we are. Now we're engaged. And, you know, we're raised in the church, coming out of the sin cycle, wanting to pursue the Lord together was the decision. And so we get married knowing that we want to um, go to this training program in Africa. And funny enough, I'm the one that got rejected and not Casey. And (laughs) and it was over some of my Bible Bible convictions. And (laughs) so they suggested that we go to Bible college. So the plan kind of from marriage was to go to Bible college. So so we get married and um, we start, we actually read a book by Francis Chan. Yeah, it was a crazy love. Mm-hmm. Was that, that was the one. That, and so we actually went to check out his Bible college that he had started up. So we went all the way to California in a day trip with a friend. 24-hour drive. But um, we get there, and it just wasn't quite what we expected. I feel like God orchestrated everything. He orchestrated oh, some red flags, yeah. just about some of the theology There's just a lot of theological differences that once we got there and became very evident. And I was like, oh, I wasn't expecting that. Right. It kind of opened our eyes. We didn't really understand um, the theology circles that that were at that school. And so then we come back and we regularly were leading a group of young adults. 
and we meet a girl and she um, is going to a Bible college in California as well, but it's Calvary Chapel Bible College. And, um, and how do we know about Calvary Chapel? So after our come to Jesus, <laughs> um, after our debauchery and sinful um, pursuits, we saw that there was a, there was a, a strong desire um, to just put away the things of the world. And I was listening to terrible music all the time. And so I was like, well, I can't listen to that and pursue God. And so I was like, I'll listen to talk radio. And like overnight, just started to listen to like conservative talk radio and then um, Bible teaching on 91.3 in our local um, news station, which was a Calvary Chapel station. And I didn't know that at the time, but I would just hear all of this teaching by Calvary Chapel over and over again. It's just expository teaching, verse by verse teaching through the Bible. And I was like, wow, this is awesome. I'm learning a lot. I'm hearing a lot. A lot of things are being reaffirmed and just a passion's being stirred up in me. So when we found out about Calvary Chapel, I was like, whoa, you're kidding me. I didn't know they had a college. Let's go check it out. We had heard of Chuck Smith because Casey was listening to the radio all the time, just verse by verse teaching. I just saw him just fall in love with the word of God all over again. And he was just so passionate about it. And, um, and so at that time, Chuck Smith had actually had a stroke and I remember, I didn't even really know who this man was, but I remember like crying and praying for him to recover from the stroke because he had made such an impact in Casey's life. And that I just was so thankful for this man of God that was teaching my husband. So when we found out that he had a college, we were like, this is great. So we ended up, um, long story short, going to Calvary Chapel Bible College and we spent a semester there. And then we actually went abroad to a Calvary Chapel Bible College in Japan for a semester. Mm-hmm. Happened to be when the great tsunami hit Japan and um, quite a time yeah. to live in Japan. And then we came on back to Texas and we really felt, um, which this is this is a part of my story that I always say is, Lord, I used to pray, Lord, I'll be a missionary anywhere in the world. Just don't make me be a pastor's wife. When we were living in Japan, I was so miserable. Like I just, I, I was uncomfortable. I don't think I'm a city girl. I loved it. <laughs> it the, everything was foreign. I couldn't even buy like cold medicine. It was It was pretty miserable for me. Casey was great. And I was miserable and I, my prayer changed. And during that time I decided, you know what, I would be of so much more use in Texas because at least I know the language and I can disciple people in English and I can (laughs) talk to them and I can buy barbecue and eat Mexican food, you know? And, um, and I was like, Lord, I rather be a pastor's wife in Texas than be a missionary anywhere Mm -hmm. in the world. So he really used that time to change my prayer and change my desires to, I think, line up with his desires. Yeah. And for that year, we were in Bible college, and then the preceding years of just serving faithfully at our church, and I was still going to Bible college online, or to correspondence. Um, there was just a, a big developing in my heart to be a pastor, which was really funny that that changed in her, because God, um, God really shifted my heart my mind to go, okay, this is what I would want to do. But really came to a point where I don't know when, I don't know how, I don't know where this is going to take place. And oddly enough, the Lord, a couple years in after we got back into Texas, was like, here, soon, almost now. <laughs> it's like, ah, what? No, this is uncomfortable. 
Yeah, we came back with a lot of zeal. You know, we were in our early 20s and we loved the Lord. And Casey was teaching two or three days a week. Um, early mid 20s. <laughs> word, word by word through the Bible. And we had probably 20, 30 kids that were at our house one or two days a week just being discipled. Yeah. And so with Calvary Chapel, we really fell in love with exegetical teaching. Casey, what's exegetical mean? So, yeah, the exegetical is pulling out of the scripture. You're reading out, not putting in your own bias. So you're letting the context and the actual intent of the scripture bring to you the understanding of what's being said, rather than you trying to bring your own interpretation to the table. So with the exegesis, exegetical teaching, we really saw people getting discipled and getting the word implanted into their hearts in like a massively quick way. It was amazing. There was one couple I remember that they got saved and baptized. And six months later, they were quoting scripture with a deep understanding of scripture in a way that I saw, you know, people that I'd known my whole life that have sat in a pew their whole life that didn't understand scripture that well. And so we really had this deep conviction for this type of teaching. And we really felt like learning it in context was what was maybe most suitable for the Lord's word. Because it's like if he spoke it, he spoke it with a certain intent. And we don't want to change his intent. We want to understand his intent. Mm -hmm. And so word by word teaching, discipleship, we were just seeing great fruit from that. And we also were beginning to learn about the Holy Spirit. We were beginning to learn that it's very biblical. The gifts are biblical mm -hmm. and so going to calvary chapel bible college they really laid that foundation that that the gifts are real and that they're biblical and that they haven't ceased and so we believed in them we just hadn't really seen them that much didn't really know how they worked but we didn't believe they were gone we didn't cancel them out and so with all these convictions we were trying to serve in our local church that we'd been conservative church we've been a part of a long time and so can you talk about what ended up happening there casey so with with that desire and that that burden in our heart to have verse by verse teaching, right? And it's not the only way of teaching, but for us it was just that conviction of being rooted in the truth of the word. My people perish for lack of knowledge, right? And so I've I've grown up with so many people who have just a such a vast lack of knowledge in the word of God. There's just such an ignorance in the American church in regards to the truth. And so what um, what came about was there was just a lot of pushback from different people within the church. It was like, hey, we're like we don't we don't want to really talk about certain things that might be um, confrontational or might bring people out of their comfort or um, doctrines that we might not necessarily agree with. And and I'm over here going, but it's it's in the word. Because we were so rooted in the word, we're going, no, but but it says this. If it says this, then it must be true. And so there was just always that huge conviction. And so with both of us, there was always an understanding that these things are true in regards to the things of the Spirit. We're fully orthodox in our, in our upbringing in regards to the foundations of the doctrine of the gospel and everything. But when, when it came to the things of the Spirit, well, that's a, that's a, that's a weird topic to come across especially with a lot of different upbringings, especially here in the South, because that can look really weird or it can look really drab and boring. And so I'm going, okay, well, there has to be a healthy way. And so 
it, it, there was this this hunger, this thirst, this desire for seeing the Spirit of God move in a mighty way. For years, I'd been reading biographies of revivals and just so stirred up to see those things that I read. I was like, why aren't we seeing these things? These things happened recently, not long ago. For me, some of the big things that I learned in Bible college about the Spirit was that I was so used to doing things in my flesh the way I was raised, and I had no idea that I didn't depend on the Spirit and didn't trust the Spirit. I'll give you an example. We have this one um, pastor, and he he so pushed my comfort. He said, students, if you're called to missions, you don't need to go and do all these support letters and fundraisers. Just simply pack your bags and go, and the Lord will provide. And I remember thinking, no, that's a terrible idea. You need to do fundraisers, you know, and it so rubbed against me the wrong way because I think I really didn't realize it, but I really like to have some control. And that felt very unsafe for me. But, you know, the more that he would just speak to us and encourage us in these things, and he'd tell us stories of people that had lived out faith and trust in the Lord. Um, even like with him, he's like, you know, what? Well, we've never advertised at our church. We didn't even go in the phone book. He's like, and, you know, he had like a 2000 member church in a small rural area in California. And um, and it was he says, students, you must simply just pray and ask Holy Spirit to bring to your church who he wants there. No hype and hoopla, no games and gimmicks, just pray. And so we learned this dependency on the Holy Spirit thing. We learned how to trust Holy Spirit and to not do everything in our power and our strength. It was a big mm-hmm. shift. And so that was another one of our philosophies bringing, coming into this out of this conservative kind of more background. I don't want to say more controlling, but it's like a more, there's a lot more safety nets where yeah. we came, where we come from. I like the way Matt Chandler put it. It was a uh, addressing the Holy Spirit with a seatbelt on, right? It's it, there's this I believe, but I'm a little scared of what might happen if I step out in faith, like that. There is, and it might not sound great, but there is a bit of control because you can you can sustain and put parameters up to where it's safe for you, and so the Lord was really pushing us past that especially in regards to finances and distrusting for him for provision and him to do so many different things that we started to see in his faithfulness all that he wanted to do and could do and desired to do for us. And so that that really pushed us once we had left that church on good terms. It was very good terms, still very good friends with the, the previous pastor there. But there, there was this push to start a church. And so we started a church really f- founded and grounded on the Word of God, Um, and that's a long story, but there was this transition really in the last year in our current church of just a real manifestation of the things of the Spirit, which has always been a desire in our heart. We've been longing to see what we've read to come to life, Um, but the problem is we've never seen it done in person well. We've heard about it, we've read read about it, but we've never actually been introduced to a church that does does spirit and truth, that is founded on the Word of God, but trusts in the Holy Spirit to a degree that you, you actually give Him room to move within your congregation. Yeah, usually we see this pendulum of... Holy Spirit has basically no ability to do anything. Like there's no room for him in the service. Like he 
a lot of the gifts aren't around anymore. Like he only speaks through God's word. That's the only way that the Holy Spirit speaks, you know, and then we see the other end of the pendulum where it's like anything goes, you know, everything Mm -hmm. is the spirit, like just put the spirit on top of it and that justifies it. And you can just go wild and call it the Holy Spirit and it's the Holy Spirit. And so in our culture here in the, in the South, there's, um, we haven't been exposed to a lot of balance. No. And, and that's, I think one thing that you coined is the radical middle um, that we kind of find ourselves in because we are rooted in the Word of God. We are orthodox in our theology. Um, we do desire to lovingly and graciously and fervently seek after the Word of God, but also believe that He is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and that the Bible is not our God. The Bible is the Word that points us to our God and that we were created to know him, and that he is alive. And so if he's alive, if he's risen, like we all say we believe, then he actually does care about us. He's a father. We are children, and fathers aren't very good fathers if they don't interact with their children, in my opinion. And so I'm over here thinking over and over again, everything that he exemplifies himself to be in the word of God we haven't seen we want to see we desire to see and then within this last year we've really started to see a a big shift in our church of the things of God in that he is moving he is alive and I love the verse that talks about that those that will be worshipers will have to worship in spirit and in truth absolutely and for me it's not so much about the gifts or about the word as much as it is about him And the more that we know him as our father, like you mentioned about him being a father, the more that we know who he is and the more that we know who he is, the more familiar he is to us. You know, the Bible says that Jesus is the Prince of Peace. So when you spend time with the Prince of Peace, guess how you feel? Peace. Peaceful, you know? And so for me, it was really getting to know him and I knew him in in the sense that I knew the word of God. It was deeply implanted in my heart. But I had a long, lot of wrong beliefs about God. I had a lot of head knowledge that wasn't lined up with who he actually is. And I didn't know that until I knew that. I didn't know that until I understood that. And so it started changing my view, my perspective of him. And, you know, kind of like if someone came up to me and said, hey, Casey did this. If, if they said Casey did something, I know Casey well enough to think, oh, yeah, that sounds like Casey. Or no way, my husband would never do that because I know him. And when you don't know God and someone says something about God, then you just have head knowledge to go on. And you're like, oh, I, yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe that was God or no, that wasn't God. Absolutely. That's not what he's like. And I think before I only had head knowledge to go on. And so I was missing a lot. Uh, there was a lot of confusion there. And the confusion didn't come from lack of head knowledge. It came from lack of intimacy. And so and it's from intimacy that the gifts will actually flow. And so we come from a very head knowledge, heavy background, and it's been this journey of really into intimacy, true intimacy with him, not just head knowledge. And I would say the difference between head knowledge and intimacy would be the difference between reading a biography about every detail of someone's life, learning a lot of information about that person versus personally knowing that person. Our desire as a as a church that is pursuing the Lord is that I always go back to those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they will be filled. And it's the righteous that will see God. It, was, it is the righteous um, that can ascend into the, into the mountain of the Lord. He, who can 
ascend into the mountain of the Lord, right? And walk among the pillars of fire. He who has clean hands and a pure heart. Mm-hmm. And that all of those things of just encountering, seeing, um, it's it's not approaching God with this um, sense of, well, this flagrant um, grace to where we try and abuse grace to that, hey, well, I'm going to be forgiven, I can sin, and so I can just approach him as like a good old buddy and pal. It's like, no, he's my father. Like, he's the lover of my soul. He died for me. Like, there is a reverence that must be there, but there's always this tension in the balance that we don't want to swing too far left, too far right. It is finding this reality that the Word of God is our foundation, and we're looking to this beautiful, beautiful story far greater than a story, right? A An experiential um, journey that we are on to encounter the living God, and that it is intimacy that we need. It is intimacy that we desire, um, and it's not something that we can create. It is not something that we can manufacture. It is simply by pursuit and selflessness. And so intimacy is really where the flow of the Spirit comes from. It stems from that. And so next time I want to talk about how I developed intimacy, what that shift was in my life, and just knowing that that the fruit of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit stem from that intimacy and how fruitful that can be in my own life and other people's lives, how I've experienced it and how you've experienced it. Yeah, I mean, everything really stems from encountering the living God. Not one person can say that they're a believer apart from the fact that God had revealed himself to them. So one thing that is um, encouraging and reassuring is to find out that we're not the only ones in that boat of pursuit, that there are other people who have struggled with that, of desiring more. Like they have all of this knowledge, they have all of this understanding of the Word of God, and yet they, they still kind of feel like there's more, and there's something that we're missing. Yeah, it's kind of that disconnect between, you know, words God, God's word says this, but I'm not seeing that. Mm-hmm. God's word says there's healing. God's yeah, our words, experiences are in conflict with that. Right. And it's like, I believe God's word, but I'm, it's hard to reconcile why I'm still brokenhearted or why my wife still has cancer or why, you know, this brokenness happened. And so there's that conflict of who Jesus says he is and what he came to do and what I'm living out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, deeply knowing that it's not broken on God's end, but then trying to figure out where our place is and what's broken on my end right. has kind of been this journey. And that's that's really why we're wanting to do this podcast. Like there's there's so many people out there who have been in this place of struggle going, I don't want to go too far to where it's weird. I don't want to be so stuck and entrenched in legalism. I don't want to be deceived. And I don't want to be deceived. Like there's there's so many fears, there's so many desires, there's so many expectations, false expectations. And so we're really wanting to remove and sift through the minutiae that a lot of that we've already had to go through for you um, to be able to have this conversation and hopefully bring encouragement, hope. Um, that there there are churches out there that are doing this well, that there are um, godly, God-fearing, righteous people on all parts of the spectrum, and that it's very easy for us to be judgmental of people who do things weird, different, 
weird is a spectrum, really, <laughs> of, of where we think they ought to be, when in reality the Lord has called us not to judge another man's servant because it's before his master, whether he stands or falls. So the good news is, is that there is healing. We found out that there is healing for trauma. There's healing for um, mental health. There's healing for broken hearts, that the Lord is real and he's powerful and he deeply cares and he, he wants to move. And so we have to cultivate an environment that allows for him to move. And so we will continue to talk about this in the episodes to come, just about this journey and what it looks like, what it can look like for you, how you can be healed, how you can come into a life full of peace and of joy, and where you can find a deep relationship with him in his presence. Next time, join us on the Abide Spirit and Truth podcast, and we will explore what it really means to be in the presence of the Lord, what intimacy is, and how that led us into some very crazy water walking experiences in our days of church planting. Until next time, we bless you to walk in spirit and in truth.